Ladies and gentlemen, here we are, the Bridge Podcast. After hours, we are breaking history, first ever podcast. And I am looking at right now the man, the myth, the legend. Oh my gosh. You, you want me to say my own name? Yes! Come on, give us your name. You're looking at me. Brock. I'm looking at him. Brock Morgan, we are here. <laughs> He's graced us with his presence, and he is also wearing a pretty cool switch foot shirt. Oh, dude. Yeah. Have you heard the new switch foot? So they have a new album out right now that uh, famous artists like the Jonas Brothers. Uh, One Republic, all these major bands and musicians and artists have redone Switchfoot uh, songs. Is Britney Spears and on it there? Just came out. Not Britney Spears. Oh. That would be like when you were a kid. Okay. Britney Spears. Insane, these are like current, current, current artists. It's really cool. All right. So you should check so it out. I am wearing the Switchfoot. He, he's got you, it on. Those of you who are listening, you should go check out. Uh, it's called Switchfoot, um, the beautiful letdown, our version. And uh, it's on iTunes, wherever you list Spotify. Anyway, yeah. So Let's I'm a go. Fan. I'm a Switchfoot guy. I okay. Love, I love that band. We're repping. Let's do it. All right. So we are here. We got Brock here. Uh, I, myself, I'm Mark. And we are just so stoked to be getting into this. Um, here, here's what we're doing. This is the intro. We're just going to kind of lay it out. Um, what we want to do, the reason why we're doing this podcast is obviously on a Sunday morning here at the bridge. And by the way, if you're outside of Chino and you don't go to the bridge, we're just so glad you're listening. We actually, let's, the more the merrier, all right? This is, uh, the Bible calls it the land of milk and honey, but I call it Chino the land of milk and suburbia building up. So we got the cow <laughs> area, but houses are booming. Anyways, that's a side note. Uh, but what we're doing is this. We wanna, we're going through this crazy series that we just started at the bridge. Uh, we're going through Revelation, uh, which is a bizarre book. And that's exactly what we're gonna talk about today. But we wanna take this podcast and to go deeper into that series and then kind of also bring in some, some cultural analysis, um, some questions that people from our own church have submitted online, uh, just as kind of a dialogue to go deeper with this series. And here's the deal. We don't know how long this is gonna go. If we know we get into 2024 and it's going well and we wanna go through the next series, We'll keep it going. We'll just keep we'll just keep going, man. That's right. Why not? It's after hours. It's after hours. So the the sky's the now, limit. Neither of us have a drink right now. So uh That's right. We I need was, to remedy that. I did have a LaCroix. Right. I me too. Okay. That's gone now. Are are you a sparkling water person, Brock? I do. I like I like uh sp I like flavored though. G give us your number one flavor for any type of sparkling water. Oh my goodness. I like the lime. Lime is good. Uh, lime is good. The yellow, uh, what's the yellow one? Lemon. Lemoncello. Oh, lemoncello. lemoncello. There we go. Come on. And you also just, you're more sophisticated. And I like the grape, actually. Out. There's a new grape flavor that I, I'm, I've been digging lately. I don't like the grape because it reminds me in my childhood of the grape medicine that I was forced to take, which oh. always made me gag. Yeah, anything that reminds you of medicine. Yeah, not good. You know what, Brock, on that note. Come on, bring it, Mark. So I just talked about my childhood and great medicine. Let's dig in now. And yeah. here's what I want us to start talking off with is pretty much in your childhood, how you were raised, let's both discuss 
from at least the earliest ages that we know of, our view of revelation. So this book, the apocalypse. Um, so why don't you tell us what were your first impressions? How did you read this book? Growing up, what did you think of this scary big book called the Revelation? I mean, for me, it was, I was raised in um, kind of, uh, if you think of uh, the movie or the book series, Left Behind, that's what I was raised with, was um, in this constant fear of maybe being left behind and Jesus returning. Now, what this theology says is Jesus returns, but not quite all the way. We meet him in the air and then we disappear into the heavens and chaos ensues on the earth after this. But then seven years later, we then reemerge, this time coming all the way back down to the earth. And there's this thousand year, tribu- uh, thousand year reign and then Armageddon. This was like the layout of what I was taught. Now, let me just say a couple of things. As a boy, Mark, I didn't want Jesus to come back. First of all, I wanted to have sex first. <laughs> So like this is the typical <laughs> youth group. This is right. it right here. Right, he's a killjoy. He's the, the him. That, Jesus returning is number one scary, mm-hmm. um, but also kind of the killjoy to what I as at an as an adolescent was longing for. <laughs> <laughs> but I was scared of the end times. It was scary to me. What about for you? Well, real quick, I have to ask you, did you guys have the bumper sticker on your car? <laughs> no. That I, what, what does it say? Something like, if um, in, in case of rapture, don't be behind this car. Or right. it, 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 it's watch something out. like, yeah, watch out, you know, implying that the person is, is kind of lifted All up All of physically. a sudden disappearing yes. from their car. You're on the freeway, car accidents happen. Yes. Oh, um, man. So for me... Um, I did become familiar with kind of the whole left behind and book and movie series in high school. For me, as I look back though, I would say, I just thought it was so bizarre. I wasn't so much scared of it as much as I thought this is impossible to understand. And it was interesting as I think about my home church culture that I, I grew up in, I think there was like this implicit assumption that no one knows what revelation means. And so we're just going to skip over it. Mm. Like, so I, I that's, never- That's easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, easier. Just, just avoid it. So I never heard sermons on it. And I would never myself as a kid turn to it or, or even as a junior high or high schooler because it's like, oh, well, I can't understand this. So we'll, let's just put this book aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too, this is too difficult. Yep. Or it's too scary or it's gonna to be too confusing. And for me, it was all of those. Now, one of the things that in my church culture they talked about was the Antichrist. Mm. Six, six, six. Dude, and they were always naming, we think the Antichrist might be Gorbachev. Oh, it's Putin right now. It could be Putin. So I, I've heard Saddam Hussein. Saddam, yep. If if you were a Republican, it was Obama. Or oh, it Clinton. was Obama for sure. But then if you were a Democrat, then it was Trump. Uh, yes. So pretty much whoever you don't like politically That's who speaking, the Antichrist is. Exactly. That is who the Antichrist is. And I is. think this actually opens up 
dialogue for the problem yes. with the book of Revelation and why so many churches uh, honestly avoid teaching it. And here's why. There's so much misinformation about it because of maybe movies, books that have been written, poor, awful approach to, and poor theology, poor eschatology to use a, a, that, uh, that's a theological really word. word right there. Yes. Brock. Eschatology. Yeah. What does that word mean, Mark? The study yes. of end times. Yeah, the there it is. Thing. So like, there's so much misinformation that pastors, I bet, are like, why would I even venture into this territory? Because people have already started believing things that are way off, but they believe it in a way that if I step on their toes, they're gonna feel really offended by it. It's just not worth it. Exactly. And it was interesting. Uh, we've both been doing some reading the last couple of weeks to prepare for this series. There's way smarter people than both of I, uh, mm -hmm. both of us who have for done far sure. more research. So I, here's a fascinating thing that I discovered. This comes from a book called The Book of Revelation, a biography by Timothy Beale. And it's an interesting book. He doesn't so much interpret Revelation for us as much as he provides a history of what the last 2000 years of how it's been interpreted. So good. So in the very beginning, I love this. Uh, it's actually in the preface. He gives some like modern examples of how people, what Revelation has done to them. So here, here's a couple, check this one out. In 1988. 88. So 1988. By the way, 1988. MC Hammer. And Mark Lohman was born. You were born in 88? Don't tell anyone. Oh my gosh, I always forget. You're so mature, you know. I always I, forget. I, it's because I've been around <laughs> you now for a couple years. All right, so 1988 from MC Hammer to Mark Lohman. Right. Ronald and Nancy Reagan left the White House and purchased a $2.5 million ranch house in the Bel Air neighborhood of Los Angeles. But check this out. The address was 666 St. Cloud Road. And before moving in, they had the address changed in city records to 668 on account of a mutual concern that it could be interpreted as a sign of association with Satan. Yeah, Ronald Reagan is like, dude, it's by the which by the way, it he at this point had dementia. Which is really, uh, that's interesting yeah, in and of itself. So this come from Nancy, but it's like, oh, we don't want to be associated yep. with this. We don't want people thinking we're the Antichrist. Of course not. And then here, here's a little, more, a little <laughs> bit more modern. Again, and these are just random, random points, but it gives you a taste of how people have read Revelation. So in 2015, so we're talking eight years ago, Republican United States Representative Joe Barton of Texas had the number of his bill repealing a ban on crude oil exports changed from 666 to 702. He, he just didn't want the, the bill code to have 666 on it because that might be something bad. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, right off the bat, you're like, people immediately are gonna associate 666 with uh, the Antichrist, and yeah, it's not good for business. That's, that's it's not good for business. <laughs> what is our address at the bridge? It is 7 
Seven seven six. Oh my gosh! Come on, three sevens. That's, right. That's got to be good. And hey, we'll, we're going to get into this. <laughs> that actually, the number seven in Revelation is a really, really important number. Right. So we'll just leave that. Do right we there. want to answer what six 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 is yet? Are we we we, we do we want to talk about that, or we want to wait for a later podcast to keep people on the edge of their seats? Oh, Brock is the master communicator and he's building the <laughs> tension. suspense. We're building tension. Well, let me go out on a limb. All right. And and let me just say I don't think necessarily. Oh. It's, it's Putin. Oh. <laughs> so we're not going to guess uh if you believe that the an antichrist will be will emerge and I actually do. Totally. Although uh, the scriptures, in particular, in Thessalonians, it talks about how there are many antichrists. Exactly. So that's an interesting conversation in and of itself. But there could be some believe a at the towards the end, um, right before Christ returns, there yep. could be someone uh, that is an antichrist figure. Yes. So yes. we're gonna, we're going to dangle that carrot. We're just gonna we're not going to get into it today. But but we will get into it. Oh, for sure. And then let me let me let me drop another nugget right okay. here. Okay. The book of Revelation does actually not have in it the word antichrist <laughs> or rapture. Isn't that amazing? But Yet all that's we think all about what we think about Exactly. This is what, and, and and I think it's important to, uh, as you approach Revelation, I think it's important to understand that the global church thinks about Revelation much differently yes. than the church in the U.S. That is so good. And so that in and of itself should give us pause Absolutely. as we approach this topic. Yeah, there's almost like there's some... And I don't think we necessarily do this on purpose, but there's almost some arrogance. Oh, big time. As being Americans that we think we have it figured out. But you know you know, it's not true. Anytime someone from uh, England, Great Britain speaks, you immediately know they're smarter. Oh yeah. Just the accent, you're like, okay, what do they think about Revelation? Oh, they're probably more right than us. Absolutely, they have to be with <laughs> they, the way it's they the sound. Accent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, come on. So, okay, we we both shared kind of as we were growing up in the church, Mm -hmm. what we thought of Revelation. Now, if you haven't caught yet, Brock and I hold to a a view of it that is quite different than what we thought of it growing up. Brock, what what changed for you? What, What did you encounter... Maybe later on, if it was in college or in your 20s, what happened to that change for you? Okay, so real quick, I went, I studied theology for four years in college. And then I studied theology some more in seminary. So you have lots of years of training. I went Did to, you say seminary or cemetery? <laughs> I think it's called seminary, okay. but okay. sometimes it feels like yes. cemetery. Yes. Depending on which seminary you go to. Now, I went to three. Oh. I went to three. Okay. I went to Fuller. I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, and I went to Capitol Bible Seminary. Dallas and Capitol taught me a left-behind view of the end time. So this is what we're talking about, what I was raised in and then educated in. 
And then in my late 20s, I read a book by a guy, an author by the name of N.T. Wright. Whoa. And he brought a very different view of the end times, of eschatology than what I had been raised in or schooled in. What I ended up finding out is that most seminaries around, and I mean 99% of them around the world, do not teach what I was taught. They do not hold the same eschatology than I was raised in. Mm. But for whatever reason, U.S. has this stronghold on it when it comes to what we would call premillennialism, this left-behind understanding. Now, what changed is I read this book, but but prior to this book, my friend told me he didn't believe in the rapture. Whoa. He didn't believe in the left-behind understanding of the end times. And Mark, I felt offended. Oh, yeah. Like for me, it was so challenging. Like I thought, if you don't believe in that, then you don't believe in the Bible at all. Yeah, you're not a Christian. Like I really felt offended by it. Then I read this book and I started, it was like slowly... God was revealing. He was opening oh, the curtain. Okay, guys. Come on. There's a pun right there that Brock just did. Yes, I did. And he was, there is a broader, maybe deeper, more historical understanding because this left behind view of in times actually is only about 150 years old. Yes. Yeah. So if you don't know, so part of what Brock is mentioning there. And I'm not going to have my date exactly in correct. In the 1850s. But yeah, I'll say in the 1800s, actually in the UK, there, I believe, was a, uh, a young girl that had a vision. And then I believe it was uh, a guy named John Darby. Yes. Was the pastor, and I think kind of like in this parish community. And the vision came from her, and then he kind of spread it out. And then it came to the US, and it kind of... It exploded. It exploded, and, and also a lot of money was made off of it. And, and actually, there was uh, like a revival happening yes. in the U.S. during this time with these uh, itinerant preachers, mm-hmm. these, uh, what were they called, like traveling preachers, yep. tent revivals. There you go. And they taught this view of theology, and it swept across the U.S. and into the schools I went to. Yep who've been teaching it ever since. And something called the the Schofield Reference Bible yes. is really, at least I think kind of from like a Bible study lens, popularized this whole movement. Yep. And um, then you have Ryrie Study Bible, similar. Yep. There you go. Which by the way, I always get a little nervous when a pastor's name or a theologian's name is like part of the title of a study Bible. <laughs> The MacArthur Study Bible. Yeah, it's kind of like okay, it, uh, ooh, that this is like God's book, God's word, and then like they're so growing. Well, I up, don't know if you know this, but my next book coming out is the Bible, the the Brock Bible, the Brock Bible. <laughs> <laughs> no joke, and I'm not going to mention any names. I know of one of those pastors who has a study Bible named after him where I saw that individual signing the inside cover oh. of this Bible study or this study Bible, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's signing yes. the Bible. Yes, It's a little awkward. Makes me pause. Yeah, Makes it's a little, me pause. It's a little awkward. It is. So- But yeah. let, let, me, let me also okay. say this. I just got a Bible. 
you should get it. It's the C.S. Lewis Ooh. Bible. Okay. And it has Lewis's quotes connected to scriptures. Wow. And dude, it, it's on sale on Amazon right now. Yeah. But uh, okay, so it's let me ask so you this. legit. Do you read that by closet doors inside your room that you open the closet doors and it takes you off yes. to an exquisite land? Oh my gosh. Yeah, the kingdom. Come on. All right, we're rolling. <laughs> so, okay, so that, that was Brock. So through seminary, he that kind of perspective on Revelation got ingrained. Dude, I was in it. And then... Um, both of our, I mean, I would say for both of us, probably our favorite theologian, at least modern, that's influenced us is, is N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright, Tom Wright. And that, that gets a lot to my own journey is that I hated to read junior high, high school, and then I went into college, had a crisis of faith. I was like an atheist for three months, Buddhist for a month, whatever. And I, for the first time, was just doubting everything. And I read, and I'll never forget this, it was like this 800-page book. I mean, it was heavy. Dude, I, I, I you went from not to reading it. to 800 pages? Dude, I believe in God because of that miracle that happened. Dude. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was N.T. Wright, and he wrote this book, 800 pages, basically defending the historicity of Jesus's physical resurrection. And that was one of the first times in my life where the Bible and theology began to make intelligent sense. Oh, it was liberating. Yeah, breath of fresh air. And it was in that same kind of point in my life where I started just reading a lot and I got exposed to scholars, people who have their doctorate in New Testament or Old Testament studies, basically explaining all these views of how to read the Bible and interpret it that I had never heard never. the first 20 years of my life. Never. And it was interesting when I read them, it all made sense. It, it was like when you, when you buy a really good pair of shoes and you put them on and they just fit your foot perfectly. And, and so for me, it was like, oh, you mean that when you read the Bible in its own context in the first century world, which would be for Jesus, Old Testament earlier, oh, this is why Jesus is saying the things that he is. Right. So if you don't, if you don't know the Old Testament, how is... How are you going to understand the New Testament, right? Exactly. And that's similar. Would you say that's similar to understanding the book of Revelation? Yeah. So one of the things that Brock and I were just talking about is, or let me back up. So last week I'm in the gym and the gym has become, it used to be the shower for me. We're like all- <laughs> We don't want to know about your yeah, showers. I know. I don't have any brilliant ideas, but the ones that are just half brilliant, they used to always come in the shower. Mm-hmm. But now for me, it, it's the gym. So I'm I do gym. have to say, Mark, you are, you're looking fit these days. Thank you. Wearing a little tighter pants. That's you're right. feeling yourself, I think. Sk skinny jeans. There's a lot of haters <laughs> out honest, there. To be honest, you've always worn skinny jeans. I, I have. Anyway, you are looking good. So you're in the gym. I'm in the gym. And it hits me, this metaphor, because the question is this that, that we get asked. Why is it so hard to understand Revelation? Mm. Like there's all these crazy interpretations, bizarre understanding. So why is this book so hard to understand? And in some ways, I think that's actually the heart of this conversation. And the metaphor that I came to is this. John, who, who's the guy who wrote this, who wrote Revelation, 
And there's dispute of, you know, is this the Apostle John? Is this another John? And so there's multiple I, opinions I, let's on that. Let's just simplify. I just, it's John the Beloved. Okay. So let's just. Brock saying John the Beloved. It's so there John, it is. It's John the Beloved. Let's go. I think John is bilingual. Okay. Explain. Now, so we're both in Southern California right now. We actually have the Bridge Espanol, which we deeply love. So we have Pastor Dario. And I've been in conversations with people here that they just go back and forth between Spanish and English so easily because they're fluent in both. Now, I don't know Spanish at all. And so here's where I'm going with this. I think John is fluent in two languages that he moves back and forth with so easily, so flippantly. I, and he may not even be consciously it's aware so natural of. for him. Yeah, and the thing is, we are not familiar with those two languages. So then the question is, <laughs> right. what are the two languages? Right. I think one, and obviously I mean this metaphorically, one is the Old Testament. Yes, John has been raised in the Old Testament scriptures. Absolutely. He's walking around with scriptures tied to his forehead yes. as a little boy. He's meditating day and night on the Old Testament scriptures. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, makes sense. It's like, you know, I wouldn't say girls, but it's, I think it's girls and boys with like Taylor Swift songs now. I mean, everyone, you just know. Oh, you she, she is, she's, she, I don't think she's ever been bigger. Like, I didn't think she could get more famous. Yeah. Brock, are are you a Swifty? Oh, oh, I'm oh close. okay, almost. I'm You're close. close. I, right. I I would love to. I mean, if I had a thousand dollars, I would go see her in yeah. concert. No joke, man. <laughs> I just learned about all like the. I think they're like friendship bracelets. Yeah, you exchange bracelets. Yeah. My my daughter's been to two of Taylor Swift's concerts, wow. and uh, yes, they exchange bracelets. But at any rate. Okay, so the Old Testament is one. And if you read any type of scholarship, and they'll give various numbers, but I think kind of an average number is that most scholars will say in Revelation, John references 400 Old Testament verses. That's insane. So, so it's just crazy. I mean, 400. Some will say more, some so will say a little So if you have no idea... Like you could read Revelation and not have a clue that he yes. is specifically talking about something from the Old Testament. Exactly. And and the thing that's interesting about John and Revelation is that unlike Paul, the Apostle Paul, is that he doesn't really tell us when if he's doing a direct quote. So Paul sometimes in his letters will like he'll he'll give a specific quote. direct quote. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, he is now quoting Daniel 2 or whatever. John is way more subtle. Way more subtle. And it's because he's just, it's, he doesn't even have to think about it. He's just speaking his own language. Yeah. And so I think we as American Christians in 2023, we are, we're just not fluent in the Old Testament. Right, right. And so he's going to Daniel, he's going to Ezekiel, he's going to Zechariah. Isaiah. He, Isaiah, those are some of his favorite books that he references. Yes. And we just think he's being weird and bizarre, but he's actually reading his Bible. Right. So, so that's the first language. That's the first language. The second language that he's very fluent in, and, and then he goes back and forth, and that's the point with this analogy, is he's bilingual, he goes back and forth, is he is steeped, obviously, as a human being living in first century Rome. So he knows the language of the empire. Yes. So empire, Brock, you just, that, that's an interesting word. T 
talk to us about that empire in the first century. Why is this a big deal? What, what does this have to do with Christianity? Dude, so you have the kingdom, the, the Roman empire that is saying, we will be an empire for eternity. Like literally, we are and the they are eternal kingdom. Yes. Meanwhile, Mark, what are Christians, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that he's Lord. Yes. Which meant that whoever was Caesar at that time, that was a very subversive, basically punch in the face yes. to Caesar. Yes, because Caesar is Lord. Right. Caesar is the son of God. Usually, you actually yep. use that language. I am yep. the son of God. They had and it on their coins. So like empire, kingdom, this language is the Roman culture and they are proud of their empire and they yes. believe their empire is eternal. And now you got this subversive group of Christians going, actually, no. Right. And, and, and so here's what's crazy is because it'd be like us in 2023, uh, Brock, let me put you on the spot real quick. What are some like common words or phrases that that like the youth use right now? Just very like uncon like they're just they're just using. What just name some? Bro. Bro. It's obnoxious oh, how often bro. bro. Dude, bro. What's going on, bro? Dude, how you doing? Oh my gosh, it's too much. I can't handle it. Or like it. that's lit. We can say lit. I don't hear it as much. Okay. See, I'm, I'm already but, dating myself yeah, there. But you know, this is, yes, you're, yeah, there are these words that is steeped in culture mm -hmm. that are common. Yep. That if you were in a different generation, you would be like, wait, lit? That Are they starting fires? Yeah. What does that mean? Exactly. So are they brothers? Why are they saying bro? Are they brothers that are on fire with each other? Right. Uh, well, okay. Anyways. <laughs> So John, he's in first century. He's living in, I mean, Rome was the empire at that time. Like they controlled the world. And there's all these claims by the emperor who is called Caesar. And most scholars think that Revelation was written under the reign of Domitian, who was the emperor at Rome, um, believe, in 96 AD. And he was a crazy dude. And we're, we're actually gonna get into him. But yeah. all we wanna do for this session, this very introductory session is saying that John knew of and was living in a Roman empire with its own language and culture. And he's saying things in Revelation that are actually incredibly revolutionary and subversive. Extremely subversive, rebellious. Rebellious. Yep. So this actually, at least for me, to kind of, kind of wrap things up here, when I understood this, like going back to my 20s, when I first started reading this stuff, the Bible came alive to me mm. because Jesus is revolutionary. He's not boring. And then you have these small little house churches in, in Western Asia Minor, which is modern day Western Turkey. I mean, like 30 people, 50 people into a house church. We'll get into the seven churches that are in Revelation um, two and three. And they are saying some pretty radical things in a city and a region. You don't do that. That you don't do, you'll get killed. Oh, yeah. And that's what happened. Yep. But here we are 2000 years later, the church is billions of people. And I, I heard this joke the other day and now Caesar is known as a salad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the tables have turned.
So that's that's all I think all we want to get into today is just to raise this discussion of we all come to Revelation, at least most of us, with some pretty bizarre interpretations. Yeah, I, I would say I came to Revelation with baggage. Yes. Like uh, weird baggage. And it took and it and for me they were like sacred cows. So it was difficult for me to let go of some of this stuff. And it took some time. If you, if you are the listener and you're like, ah, but I've always been taught this. My pastor who I love mm-hmm. taught me this theology. This is what I've always learned. And I don't like what maybe Brock and Mark are talking about. I just want you to know, I feel you. Absolutely. Because it was a journey for me to get to what I think is a more historical humble take of uh, an approach to revelation. And uh, also I think in the end, simpler, mm. because in the end we see, and I'll give you a little uh, oh. a little uh, scoop here. Come on. In the end, Jesus makes all things right. Yes. It's good news. Yes. Oh, it's good news. But I just, uh, the, for those of you who are listening, you're like, I'm just not sure about this. Hang with us. Hang with us. Just hang in there because um, maybe God has something to speak to us that is so relevant in our mind and in our thinking. Yeah, and and the other thing is go read the scriptures for yourselves. Like, I, I think if anything, what I like most about this series is that our job is we just want to provoke people to dig deeper into scripture. Mm. And, and if that is what people do, and so people dig deeper into the scriptures um, and they're able to really analyze and, and let the text read them, and then someone still ends up disagreeing with us, I'm totally cool with that. The, the point isn't necessarily to agree with everything and to, to produce carbon copies of ourselves. Right. Uh, that, that would be not good. So. It isn't about, we, we can agree to disagree on things like this because these would be like secondary matters, right? Completely. We're, yeah, we're not talking about the resurrection of Jesus or the incarnation, um, God as creator. Those are like yeah. central primary doctrines. You can be deep spirited friends and yes. have a different view of the end times. Absolutely. And yes. I have many friends that would totally completely disagree with me. Yes. And, and we they're love wrong. each other. Yes, even though they're wrong. We Yo, love, we the love side jab. <laughs> Come on. So, uh, hey, everyone has their background in Revelation. And I think our thing that we want to leave you with is, would you be interested in just seeing the two languages, John's bilingual sense that he's working with, steeped in the Old Testament, mm. and then also the Roman Empire, and how he draws upon those two realities? Mm-hmm and then writes this vision that he receives from and about Jesus. Oh, so good. Because I think if we miss that, we'll probably maybe go off the wrong path in reading Revelation. Easy to go off the rails. All right, Brock, any closing thoughts? Yes. Go for it. Dude, this was fun. Yes. I love this. Come on. Let's keep going. Let's keep going after hours. After hours, bridge after hours, people. Hey, and we have to say this. There are other after hours out there and we are not associated with them. (laughs) So this is the Bridge Church After After Hours. hours. Let us be very clear on that. Awesome. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. If you're listening to this, 
and you enjoyed it even just a little bit, could you do us a huge favor, and every podcaster says this, is uh, hit subscribe. Smash that subscribe Smash button. Smash it. And Brock, has a, he, he held up a fist right Smash there. Smash it. Smash it. Subscribe, like Share it, Share it on comment. social media. Like it, comment it. Uh, we'll put it up on our church feed. And so if you enjoyed it, leave us a review. Just be kind to us. Be gentle. We are humans. I, we're easily offended. <laughs> Well, maybe not on this one, but anyways, so that, and then uh, if you have any questions about Revelation, um, whether you attend the bridge or not, uh, we'll put up a link for that as well. Send those in and we love you guys. Oh, we're pumped. And if this Brock and I just have fun with this. It's good today. It, it very well just may be. Uh, my mom and I. will probably listen. Oh, your mom. <laughs> Carol, we, I'm giving you a shout out right now. Yeah. All right. Hey, so we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. We love you guys. Grace and peace.